Welcome to the Carrots and Cake Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Hopper, an FDN practitioner, author, mom, and IBD advocate. Tune in each week for real-life advice and strategies for becoming your happiest and healthiest self, all while thriving in the gray area. Trust me when I say, you can have your carrots and cake too. Welcome to the next episode of the Carrots and Cake Podcast. Today, I have a special guest, Carolina from Euphoric, and I'm very, very excited to chat with her because... There is this alcohol-free movement out there, and personally, I have very much changed my relationship with alcohol over the years, so I just would love to hear things from her as far as how to join this movement, how to you know, benefit from the health and mental benefits of, you know, breaking up with alcohol. I just feel like we have a lot to talk about today. So welcome, Carolina, and thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much, Tina. I'm so excited to talk about this. Yes, 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 yes. I'm I'm pumped for this just for personal reasons. But also, I think my audience is very curious about this, too, um, because I did, as I was saying before we hit record on this podcast that, you know, I stalked your Instagram yesterday just, you know, to see what you're all about and everything. And one of the things that you said um, was, you know, culture demands that we drink to belong. And I thought that was so fascinating in the sense that, like, yeah, this is like a really weird dynamic here. But before we jump into this, would love for you to just introduce yourself real quick, who you are, what you're all about, what your business is all about, and then we'll just go from there. Yeah. So I'm Carolina Zodkowska. I'm the author of the book, Euphoric Ditch Alcohol, Gain a Happier, More Confident You. And I'm also an alcohol-free empowerment expert. And what I really love to do is I don't really like to talk about uh, necessarily the big charged words about addiction sobriety, recovery, I like to come in earlier. I like to like really talk to intuitive women and just, you know, recognize that, Hey, we've all started drinking this beverage a long time ago, probably when we were teenagers. And is it really serving our life now? Is it really helping us become the women we want to be in the world? And so it's really having this intuitive conversation based on a lot of introspection of whether or not alcohol is serving us and kind of changing some of those cultural assumptions that we've kind of formed a long time ago so that we are in control and it's serving us. And so with that, you know, I think it's a really empowering place to just ask questions. And that's what I love guiding people to. And one of the really amazing after effects of like why I'm so obsessed with this, you know, I'm like five and a half years alcohol free. So technically like my passion in the sense of like the, the newness of the discovery has waned a long time ago. But what I'm so passionate about is that when I've seen so many times over and over and over again, is that when a woman ditches alcohol or changes her relationship with it, she unearthed a fire in her, a passion in her. And it's usually like this incredible boldness to change her life in amazing ways, whether she was stuck in a job that she didn't like before to completely get out of that, maybe start her own business, maybe write a book, maybe launch some kind of movement. Like it's just this reawakening that I keep seeing over and over and over again of like, oh my God, I can have the life I want and then actually going for it, which is why I'm just so passionate about sharing this over and over again. It's just like a gift, just like, just try it. Just see what a break will do for you and see for yourself if you're going to unearth that incredible fire and passion. Oh my gosh. I love this so much. And I'm so glad that you're talking about this too, because like I was saying from like a personal level, like I had not a great relationship with alcohol for many, many years. Just kind of as you're saying, like you start drinking like in your twenties and like it just spirals into something else. Um, so was there like a turning point or like something that happened or just that moment where you were like, alcohol is not serving me. I'm kind of done with it. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I started drinking too early or the last year of my high school year was really when I was really starting to do it. And I was really shy growing up and I was introverted. So to to find alcohol at that point in my life was like, oh my God, I just found the secret. I just found this magical elixir that's going to turn me into this extrovert and popular and talkative in the life of the party. And I really rode on the coattails of that identity in college. Like I was the biggest partier, the biggest drinker. I had no healthy boundaries around alcohol. Obviously I drank a lot like going out, but I also brought it home. And I was just like every breakup, every just bad thing. Like I didn't know how to manage my emotions or anything like that. And so that was probably the heaviest my drinking was. And then as I started to grow up, as I like got a career and got married and, and bought a house and just started to like adult, I basically like pushed all of my drinking into the weekend. And I was like, okay, Carolina, you're not a kid anymore. You have to adult now with alcohol. And so it kind of transformed into like this more like fancier, like, okay, we go to wineries and breweries and, and we only drink on the weekend. We never drink during the week, but it didn't matter every single weekend I was drinking, you know what I mean? And so what happened is that like Monday through Thursday, I was living quite a healthy lifestyle. I was going to yoga class and I was drinking green juices and I was trying to be really mindful and stuff. And then every weekend, just the normal events, the sushi night, the game night, the dinner party, whatever it was, alcohol was around. And every single Monday morning, I woke up feeling like a shell of myself. I woke up feeling groggy, exhausted, ashamed. And like all the progress I made during the week, like two steps forward, I just went five steps backward over the weekend. And I lived in that cycle, like this, this cycle of like trying to moderate, trying to like keep drinking less trying to be healthier for years, like way too many years than I'd like to count. Because at that point, I already intuitively was grasping that alcohol wasn't serving me. Every Monday morning, I was really feeling it, right? But every time I kind of debated, oh, maybe I could take a break, maybe I could take this week off, I would look at my social calendar and it was always something there that would prevent me. It was always that networking event or that meet up with friends. And I was like, well, I can't. Like, to be a normal adult in this society means that I have to drink. And it was finally when I heard of dry January in 2017. And I was like, oh, oh, I could take a break from alcohol. And I wouldn't have to explain it to all these people that I gave myself permission to do it in 2018. And that was an amazing experience. Like I woke up every day feeling rested and energetic. And I felt such a deep peace and pride in my heart, like no longer any shame, no longer any broken promises. I'm waking up feeling amazing every morning. I notice how my mood is changing. I'm starting to feel a lot happier. I'm noticing how much more in love I am with like nature and just belly laughs and just simple pleasures. And then February comes around and I don't really believe I'm allowed to continue not drinking. Like it's my first social event. I'm like, well, I guess dry January is over. I have to drink here. And so I drink a few times in February and the contrast is so big. You know, even one or two drinks, I notice my sleep is ruined. And the uncanny thing is that like an hour after having those drinks, I'm like, my mood crashes. I feel super frustrated and I feel like impatient. And I even start picking fights with my husband. And the whole time I was drinking, I was thinking that I was drinking because it was fun. And that like moment was like, this isn't fun. Like my mood was so much better in January. I was like feeling alive with the trees. And now I'm like feeling cranky after having a drink. This is not fun. And so I decided to take another break at that point. And I've basically been alcohol free since. And what really happened was that every week and every month that went by, I revolutionized my physical health, my emotional health, my spiritual health. And instead of using alcohol as something I did on the weekend to like get through the week, like it was like TGIF every single week, 
I found what I wanted out of life, deeper fulfillment, and I created it into my everyday. And so I ended up leaving my day job. I launched a business. I wrote a book. And now I literally do what I love every single day for a living. And I have just been so passionate about obviously sharing this with other people and helping them find their deeper purpose too. Because like I actually think purpose and an alcohol-free lifestyle are kind of intertwined. Like when we let go of what no longer serves us, we step into like this greater agency for what we really want and clarity for what we want in our life. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing all this because I think this is going to really resonate with the listeners here. Um, Also with me, because (laughs) just what you were talking about, like going through those same patterns, doing it again and again, like TGIF, living for the weekend. There's no way that I can stop alcohol because it's so ingrained into my social life. And what we do here at Carrots and Cake, we do a lot of nutrition coaching. A lot of women are interested in weight loss. And I think rationally, they understand like there are all these bad things about alcohol. It's a toxin. It makes my sleep terrible. It's empty calories. It's not helping me get to my goals. But like emotionally, and I guess socially too, it's hard for them to cut it out. Um, And, you know, dry January, sober October, these are great opportunities for people to, you know, go dry and give up alcohol. But for somebody who is like, who just listened to your story is like, this is me. These are some of my same struggles. Is there almost like a first step for somebody to really move in this direction of like giving up alcohol long-term? Like, would you recommend, you know, trying it for a month and see how you feel or like any like first steps in making that happen? Yeah, I would say it's like twofold. So first of all, the experience itself, like the actual break itself can really change your perspective because like if you are waking up happier and energetic and and grateful, just all these emotions that maybe weren't as present with alcohol, like, because the way it changes our brain chemistry is so fascinating Alcohol, yes, is like a depressant and we think it makes us feel like more relaxed or maybe more uh, like, you know, excited, that little buzz that we get. But what's so interesting is that it affects our stress hormones so much, too, and that when the depressant comes into our body, our body's like, "Uh oh, we got to combat this. We got to fight this. So it releases all these stress hormones. So we release cortisol, adrenaline and dynorphin every time we drink. And those stress hormones can, you know, make us feel weird after an hour after having a drink, like just that slump that you get. It could also be later in the the middle of the night. If you keep drinking, you're going to feel it at that 3 a.m. You know, you're going to wake up with a pounding heart or you'll feel it the next day with massive anxiety. And the thing is, is those stress hormones take a lot longer to process through the body than the ethanol itself. So like the after effects of alcohol last week's you know, like every single time I like woke up on Monday feeling groggy and bleh, I, you know, I started feeling a little better by Tuesday, Wednesday, I was feeling a little better Thursday, Friday, I'm feeling great. And then it's time to drink again and repeat the cycle. Right. It's like, I never gave my body or brain a chance to ever rebalance. And when I did, I recognized that my mental state, which you know, really lived at that apathetic level before was like way happier. And it's just so incredible to see that through experience. And there's just so many other changes, like from the nutritional, from the physical, like we can go over those two as well. So that, there's the experimental nature, obviously, like just try it and see how you like it. But the net, most important thing I think after that is the mindset shift. So we need to recognize that we've all grown up in a society that venerates alcohol. And that has told us so many stories about what we believe alcohol does for us. So every time we're doing something we don't want to be doing, but we keep doing it, there's some kind of subconscious benefit that we think we're getting from it. Usually a benefit, a comfort, a pleasure. So deep in our minds, we believe alcohol serving our deepest needs. 
And these deepest needs could vary from, oh, it relaxes me, you know, and I have a stressful life. I need to relax somehow, right? It relaxes me. It gives me something exciting to do. It gives me something fun to do, something to look forward to. Uh, it helps me like get less tongue tied. It helps me inc- like decrease my social anxiety. It helps me belong. It's what everyone is doing. How would I could how could I possibly be the only one who's not doing this? Right. So there's all these things and all these stories. And alcohol is just pumped in our society as this like magical elixir, this sophisticated, glamorous beverage. I mean, look at like James Bond and Sex in the City, the way it like venerates alcohol. These messages have become ingrained in our brain. And so we need to fundamentally change the beliefs we have around alcohol. And I walk people through this in my book and also in my programs of just determining why do you like to drink and really getting super clear on all those reasons. Most people will have about 10 to 20 reasons and then slowly but surely debunking every one of those reasons. And by the debunking, I mean like some of them we can debunk with science. So if you think alcohol is relaxing you, let's actually peek back and see what alcohol is really doing to your body. It's not relaxing you. It's such a placebo effect. And then when when it comes to those more deeper kind of limiting beliefs we have, like, for example, I didn't think I could be confident or talk to people or, you know, really um, carry a conversation at a party without a drink. Honestly, like that's what I to believe. I thought alcohol made me more confident. And a lot of people use it for that liquid courage. I had to recognize that all it did over time was make me more insecure. I never actually solved the problem. I never learned to be more confident. I never found a solution within myself where I practiced that over and over again and found that strength within myself. I kept outsourcing it to a drink. And every time I embarrassed myself or had those wine stains on my lips, I mean, you think my confidence went up. And you know, just the fact that I had to tell myself, like, Carolina, you're not good enough. People don't want to talk to you. You don't have anything interesting to say. You're awkward socially. But here, have this drink, and then you'll be better at all of that. Like, that's not confidence. You know, that's deteriorating my self-worth. So it's just a process, I think, of really fundamentally peeling back all the layers we believe around alcohol and changing them. Because if we can change those beliefs, that that inner belief that this is serving me in any way, we actually remove the desire. Like the desire goes away. So it's not about I can't drink or I don't drink. It's like, I don't want to drink. Mm-hmm. Yep. 100%. So much of this has resonated with me just because I've gone through periods where I haven't drank alcohol. And a lot of the stories that you kind of tell yourself about alcohol really change. Like you almost get to that point where you don't want it anymore. Um, and I heard this somewhere, which you know, you might be able to resonate with, but like this whole idea of, you know, alcohol, it makes you confident and like it it's fun and all that, but really it goes back to like the feeling you get when you have it, but it's not necessarily like a tasty thing. Like if you think about like the first time you ever have like a sip of beer or wine, it like kind of tastes gross, but it's like, you know, that, that feeling that you associate with it. But like, once you remove it, you start to realize like, that's not, like serving you essentially anymore. And some of the things that you said about just like dealing with like the social anxieties and the stress, I've had conversations with clients over the years and they were like, I don't know how to go out to a party without drinking or how to go to a social event without having like a drink in my hand. Do you have any advice for them just as far as like, kind of like ripping that bandaid off to like physically do it. I understand like changing like the mental, emotional, like mindset behind it, but of like actually like showing up somewhere and being like, I'm not going to drink. 
Yeah, absolutely. I have a guide on my website on how to rock a party alcohol free, which goes over all these incredible tips because like I'm Mrs. like introvert over here. So this is a big one for me that I had to learn. First of all, let's just recognize that it's kind of like a muscle that hasn't ever been worked out. Right. And it's not like you can't get stronger in this. It just needs practice. So every single time you practice it, you're going to get more confident in your skin and you're going to develop that confidence within yourself. But like just some tips about like, you know, doing it the first few times is like, I think I always believed that somehow I was like the awkward one Mm -hmm. and everyone else had it all figured out and was more confident. And so I think like we should just like recognize like, nope, everybody feels this way. Like nine out of 10 people actually feel socially awkward. It's really awkward to meet new people. It's awkward to do small talk. All of those things are awkward, right? And the thing is, is that we ease into it as humans. And there's this like, you know, when kids meet like four or five-year-olds, when they first meet, like they might all like first, like be hugging at their parents' legs and not wanting to play at first because they're shy. And then 30 minutes later, you can't tear those kids apart. You know what I mean? It's a natural human process to like ease in and lean into it. And I think we artificially skip that and just go straight to the drink. And it's like, okay, this will make it easier and faster and better. But it's such an artificial way to bond. And so like when you just know in the back of your mind, everyone's a little awkward. And then like a really good tip is just to lean into questions. Like now that you're 100% present, you're not thinking like, oh, is the waiter coming around with another drink? Like your brain is 100% there like, listen to people, ask them questions. I had a client once who, um, you know, she'd been married for a long time, but she was having a conversation with her father-in-law that she'd never had before. And he started sharing all of his stories from the Vietnam war. And like, she was just like, oh my gosh, this man's been at our family dinners for so many years, but because we were always drinking, like it never even came up. I never even got this deep with him. And she was just so surprised at like, just all the things she discovered about him. You know what I mean? So Definitely ask questions, listen intently to other people and don't make it like a pity party. Like the fact that you're not drinking, like, um, is not something to bemoan or to feel bad about yourself for like, you're the one who gets to go to the party and wake up the next day feeling amazing and go run four miles. You know what I mean? Like you get to have it all. And I think the easiest way to tell yourself you get to have it all is bring an alternative drink. So Mm -hmm. bring a mocktail, bring anything that's going to feel special because a lot of times, that just like gut reaction of why we want a drink is we want a treat. Like we just want a treat. We want to feel pampered and you're not going to feel like that with a tap water in your hand. So, you know, bring a special mocktail. There's so many alternatives on the market these days. It's so incredible to explore. There's a lot that have like no sugar or zero calories. So if you're also, you know, health minded, you can definitely find some options out there. Um, But that will also definitely like, you know, you're going to be holding the glass. You're still partaking in the ritual. You just has slightly different ingredients in the cup. And at the end of the day, like, why does it matter what's in our cup? You know what I mean? Like when it comes to food, for example, I think we've come a long way as a society. And if someone use, you know, eats more plant-based versus someone else, it's not like everyone's like, why aren't you eating those chicken wings or something? You know what I mean? Like, why isn't that in your plate? But like, why do we care so much about what's in someone's glass? You know what I mean? Like, does it really matter at the end of the day? So it's like also having this inner confidence and this inner pride that it doesn't matter. Like what's in my glass is nobody's business. And I'm going to learn like how to just be myself with practice over and over again. And the thing that ends up happening is that women who go through this, especially the first few times, they get high after putting themselves out there like that. Like they literally feel so proud of themselves. Like, oh my God, I had even more fun than I did with alcohol. And like, I did this scary situation and blah, blah, blah. And like, I feel so proud of myself. And I think what you were saying earlier is so key. 
it's not really the alcohol we ever want. It's the feeling we believe alcohol is going to give us. Mm -hmm. And so our job is to give ourselves those feelings ourselves through much healthier ways. And it's so much better, those feelings, because they're not tainted. They're not in any way have any negative consequences. We are continually giving ourselves those feelings, those highs, those achievements, those prides, whatever it looks like, those joys, that relaxation, that deep decompression, and there's no negative side effects. And that is like the ultimate empowerment. Yes, 100%. I agree with so much of that. And again, so much of it resonates with me and appreciate those tips because I do think there's some like mind shit mindset shifts there. And then the actual like physical, like bringing a mocktail, like participating in that ritual um, along the same vein. Cause again, I've had this conversation with our clients as far as, you know, nutrition and, you know, getting healthy and all of that. And a lot of times they, you know, they're, they're okay with the mocktails or have like a seltzer with lime, you know, they're, they're, they're part of that social situation without the alcohol, but they still feel that like sense of FOMO, like they're missing out or they can't have as much fun as if they were drinking alcohol. You know what I mean? I know it's a lot of like mindset shifts there, but do you have any advice for that person or again, more mindset shifts? (laughs) Yeah. So like, I really do believe that the FOMO can be switched around as like the joy of missing out the JOMO, you know what I mean? So Let's really like break down the experience. So like when I, let's say I go to a party and I I have my first drink and it seems fun, right? And then there's something within me that's like kind of itching for another one. So then I have another one. And then all of a sudden the shame starts, right? I'm like, oh, but you were supposed to work out tomorrow. And aren't you on this diet and you're having a second drink? Okay. And then I want to quiet that. So I have a third. And then, you know, I'm just like, uh, but Carolina, we told ourselves we're going to keep our promises. We told ourselves we're going to do all this, da, 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 da. You're not present. You're not hanging out. You're not actually having that fun or you're just getting blotto and you don't care, right? You wake up the next day. You have really poor sleep. You're not like motivated to work out. You want the like greasy meal. You're just like feeling not as great. And you're also just disappointed in yourself. Even if you didn't drink too much, but you had like a little bit more than you wanted to, you're going to feel very disappointed in yourself because not for the first time that it happened, you know? And so that's the experience that happens over and over and over again. Like you've had the beer, you've had the wine, you've had the cocktail, you know what that experience feels like in and out. It's a very homogeneous experience. It doesn't really change that much. You've done it thousands of times. The real FOMO is this other alternative lifestyle. The real FOMO is trying this event and seeing what kind of natural high your body is able of actually producing. So it's like, there's a joy of missing out of like, who wants all those negative, you know, stress hormones coursing in their body? Who wants all that poor sleep? Who wants to wake up feeling just like not, you know, like we literally just don't feel motivated the next day after drinking. It's like nobody drinks and feels like a million bucks the next day. Like that's not biologically possible. So it's like the joy of missing out on all that stuff. And when you can recognize that you really can have fun, if not more fun without alcohol, you start to become like, oh my God, I get to have my cake and eat it too. Like I get to go to the party. I get to like talk with my friends and I still get to wake up the next day and do all those beautiful things that I committed to myself. I don't feel any shame. I don't feel any guilt. I feel just amazing pride for myself. And so we really do have to change it around. Like most people who've been drinking, like I said, it's like, It's not hundreds. It's not five times we've drank. It's thousands of times. And so really recognizing like I've already been there and done that. There's nothing to have FOMO about. No one's taking this away from me. I've done it so many times in my life over and over and over and over again. What if I'm actually missing out by not trying this other way, you know, and, and really experiencing what the growth, 
like the beautiful growth that will happen for me when I dive into learning how to feel these feelings myself instead of outsourcing them to alcohol. So there's, you know, a lot there, obviously. And it's it's going to change like the way we see alcohol as a treat. I always say, well, don't stop treating yourself. Like if you feel that FOMO because you're like, oh, I don't get my special thing anymore. Find the special thing, you know, and I think mocktails are one of the easiest options because seriously, it's not just a replacement. There's so many new drinks on the market every month, like a new drink company comes out. You could have so much fun exploring and experimenting and kind of being the trendsetter in your social group. Like, hey, have you guys heard of this? Like they make these amazing mocktails or blah, blah, blah. Like that can also feel really good. And like definitely not like you're missing out, but more so that you are like changing the kind of conversation and, and that can feel amazing too. So it takes some growth for sure. It takes some mindset shifts and it's so empowering when you decide to do it. Mm-hmm. And I love that you kind of like flipped the narrative on that in the sense that like, you're really not, you're missing out, well, not really missing out on this. Like you have drank thousands of times in your life. You know what this is all about. You've done these things. And in the stretches where I gave up alcohol, like I, I was almost like, kind of like bored with it. You know what I mean? I was like, drinking, you know, eh, like just kind of over it. Um, and I love that you highlighted like treating yourself because yes, I think so many of our clients, they're like, I just want a glass of wine at the end of the week. It's been a rough week. And it is, you know, like treating yourself with alcohol. But the other thing that I hear from women a lot is they almost have like cravings for wine or like cravings for alcohol, like they get to the end of the week. And of course, it's part of like what you do in that habit. But do you have any advice for like cravings or like dealing with those? Yeah, amazing. And so, you know, a craving is like what basically happens is in the brain. Obviously, anytime we set up any kind of habit that has a reward, like anytime we get a cue, we're going to want to do that activity to do that reward. So if it's like for you, if it's 5 p.m., you're going to feel that craving. If it's the Friday, if it's the weekend, if it's sitting down at a restaurant, if it's being on vacation, whatever, these cues are going to happen. And so in that moment, your brain's been wired over probably decades to want to grab a drink, right? And so we have to recognize that there needs to be a rewiring of the brain at that point. And so anytime we open the craving loop, we want to make sure we do give ourselves, uh, do an activity that gives ourselves some kind of reward. So like really recognizing how you can meet your needs in new ways. Like this is the time to experiment. Like maybe we go on a walk, maybe we take a bath, maybe we do some yin yoga or something like that. And the thing is with the craving is it only lasts like scientifically around 20 minutes, right? So it's about 20 minutes and then it passes. And so like what, I would love to ask people is what's underneath the craving? Like, what do you really want? Like what happened this week? Why was this week stressful? And the thing is, is like, imagine a scenario where someone has a stressful job and they open a bottle of wine and drink a glass every night. And so they numb the feeling of the stress and they so-called relax, but they really don't, but they think they are. Um, And they just do that every single night for how long? Like they could be like a hamster on this wheel doing this cycle over and over and over again. And what I love to challenge my clients and ask them with is like, well, why are you stressed? Like, let's ask the deeper questions of what is leading to these cravings because your body is and your brain is asking you to pay attention. It's as it's giving you these emotions and these feelings because it wants something either different or a shift or a healing or a processing. You know what I mean? And so, for example, like with the stressful life or a job, 
so many women decide that like this career is, I hate it. And I'm only here to, for this paycheck. And I could do so many other things with my time that are more valuable. And I feel more passionate about, but they would never have gotten to that deeper insight if they kept using alcohol to numb those emotions, if that makes sense. So there's so much deeper to learn from a craving. And I think even getting a journal out and kind of just like asking about your day and like, why am I feeling like this? And just kind of doing a digger deep into like what brought these feelings out also recognizing a craving will not last more than like 20 or 30 minutes. It's not a life and death situation. And I guess I'm talking if like, if you're not physically addicted to alcohol, if you're physically addicted to alcohol, you're going to withdraw and you need medical attention. That's only in these extreme cases though. In most cases, like craving is not an emergency situation. Like it's just an uncomfortable feeling. And when we have that uncomfortable feeling, like learning, it's like meditation. It's like learning to sit with the discomfort is going to make us so much stronger, so much more resilient. and can allow us to listen to our emotions in totally new ways. And the way that we can actually decompress or the way that we can actually treat ourselves or have fun are going to be so much more creative and so much more effective than alcohol. You know what I mean? And that's what like some experimentation will kind of have to lead someone to is like, I can say this all day long, but like until we actually try it in our lives, like it's not going to be as believable. Um, but like, I have the littlest things too, that I do like little rituals to just mark the end of the day. So I love, for example, watching the sunset. It connects me, it grounds me. And no matter what was going on in my day that day, it's like, all of that is so petty. Like the universe just painted this miracle in the sky for you. You know, I really connect to something bigger in that moment. I also love to just put my hair up. Like I wear my hair down usually for like working and then just putting my hair up in like a top nut literally signals to my body that it's time to relax. There's this really incredible study they once did where they put uh, brain nodes on people who just left work and their brain waves were super chaotic, just really stressed out. And everyone arrived at a bar or restaurant and ordered a drink. And all of a sudden, the brain waves relax. They get nice and smooth. Mm-hmm. Now, the kicker is nobody actually drank the drink yet. They just ordered it. So our brain relaxes in the anticipation of a reward or a ritual, not anything to do with ethanol itself. Right. And so it's our job to kind of find those rituals and those ways of decompressing or having fun that are outside of alcohol. And I I like to even challenge people like, if you've been drinking for so long that it's your source of fun, like it was mine, right? I'm here raising my hand too. Do you even know what really brings you joy? Do you even know what's really fun for you? And what a beautiful thing to discover, to try new things, to go out there. I remember you know, what was I going to do on a Friday night? Well, I had to start doing new things. Like I went and tried paddleboard yoga and I went to writer's workshops and Zumba classes and to the symphony, like all these things that were so untypical for me. I was like out there exploring the world, like a little kid again to see what actually brought me joy. And I found my deeper passions through that and ended up launching my business. And you know, the, the story like follows. So there's obviously some mindset things there. Um, you know, some of my clients like to just hop in the shower, like, okay, if I have a craving, change the environment, get out of the environment and do something else that's super soothing. You know what I mean? It's it's beautiful ways that we can do those common sense things like a shower, meditating or a walk, you know, that don't sound like they're going to work, but they actually do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that you call that the shower. That's exactly what I do. I take a shower, put my PJs on, and then I've been really into the adrenal cocktail. So I make some version of an adrenal cocktail, but that's my wind down at the end of the night. But I love that you just talked about like the sunset and, you know, um, putting your hair up because they are just little simple things, but like, it really is just changing that behavior and just, you know, what you think of as relaxation or fun or things like that. Um, and this is a 
good segue because as I was saying, I was stalking your Instagram feed and, you know, some of the things that you've mentioned, you've been traveling, you have this business, you have a book, you've done all these cool things. So for somebody that's listening to this episode, a lot of this resonates with them. They're like, I think I would like to give up alcohol, see how this goes. Do you have any advice or maybe some of the first steps? Like, I I just want to make this like easy for people because when I was drinking a lot of alcohol, it was so hard to like see my way out of this. I was like, it was such a crutch for me. I didn't know how it was going to function without alcohol as like relaxation and fun and social and like all that. But just maybe like the steps that you took to find that deeper purpose or just move in that direction or even just like, the time it took for you to realize like, this is working. I don't need alcohol and I'm in like a much better place. (laughs) I don't know if that constantly makes sense. (laughs) So I'm someone who's like, if you tell me what to do, I'm not going to like listen to you. Right. So like, if you just told me like no more drinking for you, I'd be like the little rebel about that. You know what I mean? (laughs) And so I really like this idea of experimentation and what I like to propose to people and how I guide them through my book is like, let's take a break. This isn't forever. You're not giving up alcohol for the rest of your life. There's nothing to to do with that at all here. Let's experiment. Let's take a break, but let's really commit to the break. Like let's go 100% into this break, right? Because like the brain really needs like just drinking less isn't going to change your brain chemistry as much as completely allowing your brain to rebalance. There's so many things that will happen in the body. I mean, I could geek out too on like what's happening physically to like your cholesterol, your inflammation, your uh, blood pressure, just your, even your brain, your gray matter, so much is going on when you're taking a break from alcohol. Your body is like a healing machine when you take a break from alcohol and you're going to feel it. You're going to feel much better, but let's try it. So let's take that break and see how you feel. And at the same time, as you're working on those mindset shifts and you're really kind of debunking the mythical illusion of alcohol in your life, you're going to start to feel much stronger without it. And so what happened to me is that I was, I think around the, it was my second break at that point, which lasted into forever, but, um, I was 70 days and I never really decided to, to quit drinking for forever. Again, it was always this idea of like, I'm just taking a break. Right. And I think that gave me the autonomy I needed. It also helped me feel like no matter what I could decide what I wanted, it wasn't being like pushed on me or anything like that. And I had this opportunity to drink because I was planning a trip to Japan and I had planned it when I was still drinking. So the very first day we arrived, I'd already booked like this izakaya tour, which is basically going around to the little drinking spots in Japan. And I was like, okay, what am I going to do? Right? Like I, I totally considered myself a food and wine lover. So like the idea of marrying like alcohol with cultural experiences was like, that's why I traveled back then. You know what I mean? So I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to have the cultural experience if I don't drink. And then I was like, wait a minute, Carolina you've tried sake before. You've had beer before. You've had it thousands of times. And this incredible level of gratitude, of motivation, of like incredible joy, of a sense of purposefulness, of all of these incredible feelings, they're all going to go away the second you have that drink. And for what? A beer you've literally tried thousands of times in your life before. And so I started to get way more excited to see what would happen with the door that wasn't opened yet. You know, like, what if I did continue on this path? And because it was already getting so good in the sense of like my sleep getting better, my emotions like feeling so much better, my confidence going up, mental gymnastics are gone, right? So like all the chatter and especially as health-minded women, we are always doing this. 
should I, should I not? Okay. But just the one, okay. But then you got to blah, blah, blah. You wake up the next day, you feel guilty. You feel ashamed. You know what I mean? And the mental gymnastics are tiring. Like there is so much freedom in not having that mental chatter all the time, debating, deciding around alcohol. Right. And so this, this path that had not been kind of ever traversed in my life, I was like, so excited to see where it'd lead because I was feeling so awake, so alive to my life. And there's this deeper intuition that was just telling me like your greatest purpose, your greatest sense of fulfillment, your greatest potential it all lies with this path. And it was almost like, Carolina, you're becoming unstoppable. You're becoming so much a better version of yourself. Why would you want to go back to playing small, playing apathetic, TGIF, not being able to wait for the weekend? Why not continue on this path? And that was like that kind of deeper conversation I had with my intuition to just be like, literally everything I want in my life, every dream I've ever had, every feeling I want is on this other side of alcohol. And when I look back at alcohol, it literally is just a way to play small and stay stuck. At least it was for me. You know what I mean? Of just like, well, I don't want my life to be great and I'm just going to kind of hide back here and that will be okay. You know what I mean? And so it kind of from that deeper like sense of I am made for more. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to like experience this. And I know that's like heavy and a lot like at first, but like, I think that we all wake up like that. Sometimes we all wake up feeling I'm made for more. I'm made for better than this. And it's that intuitive, that higher self that's coming through to us. And it's like, it's so hard to listen to that voice, you know, but like that guidance I got first to just take a break and then to keep going. Like it was literally my higher self trying to guide me to that greater source of fulfillment in my life, to helping other people, to making an impact, to getting healthier than I've ever been in my life, like all these incredible benefits. So I think really connecting with your intuition is going to be so helpful on this journey. Like keeping a journal is going to be really amazing. Um, I like to get outside and like stare at the stars, you know, like I like to connect to something bigger than me, get out in some solitude and some nature and some silence and just really ask like, is this helping me become the version of myself I want to be? You know, I think alcohol played a role for all of us, especially when we're younger. You know, it did help us maybe meet friends or get out of our shells or just have crazy experiences, whatever. But is that really, is it helping me become the next version of myself that I really want to be? Yes. Yes. And it's funny because you were talking about like that version of yourself that you want to be. I do this exercise with all of our clients, group clients, one-on-one clients is called your ideal self. And it's basically like, what would that person do? How would they act every day? What would their habits be? How would they approach this, that, and the other thing? Um, But I do think exactly what you said, like alcohol keeps you kind of stuck and far from that ideal version of yourself. And I'm just thinking back in my own personal life. And there are times where I was drinking way too much alcohol. And yeah, I was not my best self by any means, by any means. So I'm just glad that you um, highlighted all that. And one thing I want to touch upon, you know, before we wrap up here is that you talked about some of the health benefits of giving up alcohol and, you know, how your body starts to heal and everything Um, for you personally, or just, you know, working with different people over the years, are there any really like surprising health or mental benefits that like maybe people don't know about or just haven't heard about? Or things that are just really significant that happen to your body when you give it up in your brain. Yeah, I'll list a few that I think are just so mind bending. So your blood pressure will definitely go down. You know, I don't know how many Americans are on blood pressure reducing medication right now, but it will definitely go down. Your cholesterol 
Now, I have never seen a doctor talk about alcohol and cholesterol, except for a few that I really love and respect, but that is a huge problem. Two-thirds of Americans have high cholesterol, and alcohol is linked to inflammation in the body. And so I was someone who first got my cholesterol checked in my mid-20s, and I was a ballerina growing up, so like I always considered myself fairly healthy. And when I got that first test back, and I was like, oh my God, I have high cholesterol? Like, I'm not 60. What's going on here? You know what I mean? I just didn't understand. And so I tried everything. I tried all the different diets. I tried different lifestyle things and nothing was really budging that number. And when I ditched alcohol, my cholesterol dropped by 50 points. Mm. Right. It has been proven that when people take a five week break off alcohol, the average mean of losing cholesterol is about 20 points in just five weeks. Now, again, how many statins are Americans on? How much is cholesterol and high blood pressure contributing to the number one health risk of our time, which is heart disease. Like this is really serious stuff. And just by taking a five week break, we can really radically change those numbers and start healing our heart. Every time we drink alcohol, we are increasing our heart rate. If you have like an aura ring or something that tracks like your, your heart or anything like that, you're increasing your heart rate, but not with that exercise that helps exert and pump that blood and oxygen. So what it makes the heart do is have to work harder without that efficiency of actually pumping more oxygen into our body. So our aerobic fitness goes down, our heart ends up getting staggier and weakened over time. And so all these things can radically be changed with a break from alcohol. And the things that also are so remarkable is that they've proven that not only are you rewiring your brain because you're changing your habits and choosing new ways of meeting your needs, but they found that a drinker's gray matter is much less than a non-drinker's. So like the brain is actually smaller and has holes in it. And I'm not talking about heavy drinking here. I'm talking about just normal, moderate drinking. And uh, it's been proven that a few weeks will start growing that brain matter back. And that like within even six months to a year, you will actually grow your brain larger and regrow that gray matter than someone who never had this issue at all. Because you're now like solving all this self-control issues and all these beautiful things. It will lower your risk for dementia, for Alzheimer's, just all these beautiful things that are happening for your brain. A lot of brain scientists are really coming out about how bad alcohol is, like no moderation, you guys. It is toxic. It is so bad for the brain. And again, like it's not this like, oh, I have to commit to five years alcohol-free before I see changes. No, like they've proven that within just a few weeks, if not months, you'll see changes. Your uh, cancer markers, they've proven in the blood go down from a break from alcohol. So alcohol is like, implicit in 20 different kinds of cancers, especially breast cancer, just two drinks a week for a woman is considered high risk for developing breast cancer for, for alcohol. Um, and so they've even noticed that the cancer markers in the blood go down within just a few weeks off of alcohol. So it's just incredible. Like if we care about living long lives, you know, alcohol has been proven to reduce our life expectancy by 30 minutes for every drink that we have. Like if this really matters to us of living a long, healthy life, like it's one of the most important things we could definitely do. If not necessarily just to quit cold turkey, but like, hey, this is something I want to work on. This is something I want to reevaluate. This is something I want to put some attention to. You know what I mean? We're going to be so much better for it. And maybe even someone is that person who drinks in special occasions, but it doesn't have to be like a daily habit. You know, like, do we really want to set ourselves up for that? Some other really incredible things that happen are in the brain. As those stress hormones aren't getting pumped out anymore, uh, alcohol also reduces our levels of dopamine, serotonin, and GABA. So like I said, I was just apathetic as a drinker. You know, drinking was the highlight. That was the spike of my week. And then I was just like, "Eh," every other time. 
And so your mood is going to elevate. You're going to have higher levels of serotonin and dopamine and GABA in your brain. It's just so incredible. Most people feel a surge of positive emotions as they go through that. So your brain chemistry rebalances. You just feel a lot happier, a lot more self-love and confident within yourself. And it's really cool also to see what alcohol does, like when you take a break nutritionally, because, you know, a lot of times like alcohol is considered like just empty calories, but it's so much more sinister than that. Alcohol actually blocks your metabolism from working. So, you know, alcohol is a macronutrient that cannot be absorbed by the body like carbs or protein can. So what happens is your body has to process it first. It has to get that out of your system first. So it means that all the other food you ate that day gets on pause. And so the metabolism goes down. They've proven it with humans and rats that your metabolism is slowed down for hours after drinking and that you're not processing those carbs and proteins and all those things you ate. Those are just getting stored away. It also increases your appetite and it increases the signal to your brain that you're full. So it won't tell you that you're full, right? So it causes overeating, it slows your metabolism down. Here's the crazy one. Alcohol actually blocks the absorption of nutrients. Most vitamins and most minerals are blocked when we're drinking alcohol. So I don't know about you, but I don't eat kale for the taste. I eat it because it's like supposed to be healthy. So why are we eating all this healthy stuff if alcohol is just blocking the absorption of all those nutrients? which also then makes us hungrier because we're not getting the nutrients that we need. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to like changing alcohol and especially with your nutrition and also with like exercise, like I was just saying, your aerobic fitness goes way down with alcohol. So a lot of runners or people who do any aerobic fitness will see such an improvement, but it also um, tears down, blocks down testosterone. So protein synthesis when you're creating muscles are also not going to work. Like it's just not like a health and fitness tool, right? Like, and that's the, that's the thing that we've been bamboozled with is one doctor, one doctor in the nineties told us that alcohol is good for heart health. And all these flawed studies came out after that. They've been completely debunked. Alcohol is no health beverage, right? It's like, I'm not saying the whole world has to quit drinking or anything, but we do need to change their conception of what it's doing. It's not doing us any favors whatsoever. It's not healthy in any way for our body, our brain, our soul, or anything like that. And so when you change and you remove alcohol, a lot of women have noticed that they effortlessly lose weight or their body composition changes because it's like all those negative effects aren't happening anymore. Um, And also, like you were saying earlier, like what does your best self do every day? Alcohol is a huge domino effect. So if you think about like, okay, my best self wakes up and has a healthy smoothie and then she goes on a run and then she, you know, goes to work and then she walks the dog and then she reads and then she makes a healthy dinner. Like, Alcohol is the one thing you could remove out of the picture that actually makes all that stuff line up. It makes it so much easier to do that. It's the domino habit. Whereas like if alcohol is involved, okay, now I don't want to wake up as early. Now I don't want to do that workout. Now I want to eat some different food. You know what I mean? So it's like, it makes everything easier. Yes. And that was a great summary. (laughs) (laughs) I just nodded my head through all of that, especially like the health and wellness um, benefits, because, you know, we work with women and perimenopause, hormone issues, weight loss issues, metabolic issues. And yeah, sometimes I really just think the alcohol keeps them stuck just for all the reasons that you said. So thank you for just, you know, highlighting all of those different benefits and whatnot. And how you mentioned hormones too, though, like just to mention real quick is it really increases estrogen in our bodies. So we think we're seeing a lot of women who have higher levels of estrogen, lower levels of testosterone, progesterone, it is horrible for your hormones. I'm not an expert on hormones, but I've like talked to some geeked out with some doctors about it. Like it's insane what's alcohol doing. And it's kind of like, is it really midlife? Is it really just becoming, being an adult or is it the alcohol? Mm-hmm. 
Yep. 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 Yeah. And we see that pattern a lot with women. We run um, the Dutch test, which is a hormone test. So we'll see higher estrogen, lower testosterone, lower progesterone. And right there, I mean, that's a reason for how you feel, anxiety, sleep issues, inability to build muscle. So a lot of these things are connected and it's just, it's just interesting that, yeah, maybe it, it it's more of an alcohol thing instead of like a perimenopause thing. So just, just interesting connecting all these dots. So thank you for that. And then before we wrap up, would love just to hear about your book, your programs, you know, how people can work with you, find out more about you and what you do. Yeah. Amazing. Well, my book is called Euphoric, Ditch Alcohol and Get a Happier, More Confident You. And it really starts out by sharing how amazing it's going to feel to take a break, like all the incredible benefits you're going to see for your body, your mind, and your soul. So that by the time someone's finished reading those portions, they're actually so excited, so jazzed up to want to try it. And then I guide people with an eight-week break on how to ditch alcohol and really guiding them through those introspective mindset shifts. So again, it's not about we can't drink. It's like, how do we change the wiring of the brain so that we don't see any illusion or any any source of benefit with that alcohol deeply on a subconscious level, not just consciously? And it really gets to be something that we are truly choosing. You know what I mean? Like it really gets to be a conscious choice, not just something that is that habit or that craving or that societal pressure or anything like that. And then obviously you get to choose what you do at the end of the day, but I think everyone should experience this. That's why I share it as a gift. Um, you can check out my website, euphoricaf.com, where you can find, I have programs to help women through these stages. I help also alcohol-free women discover their bigger purpose. I also certify coaches. So we have cohorts running of uh, coaches getting certified in four different modalities, including being an alcohol-free coach. And we run retreats all over the world, which is so exciting. Our next one's in Costa Rica for alcohol-free women. And I am just, again, so passionate about this. You can find me on Instagram at euphoric.af feel free to send me a DM, ask me a question. I love to chat with you there. Um, And I just, again, think that when so long we've been told that the person who looks into alcohol in their life is the person with the problem, the person who drank too much. Guess what? We all drink too much. Like literally, if you look at consumption levels across America, everyone's drinking too much. Like the health guidelines are very low. Anytime a woman has more than one drink, she's engaging in, in heavy, risky drinking. Which I'm sorry, but to me, if you would have told me that seven years ago, I would have been like, what? I only had two drinks tonight. You know what I mean? It's it's just that we are all over drinking and we've been kind of conditioned. And that's like the way that we expect, like that's what we see all around us. So it's become so normalized. So it's not you. You don't have a problem. It's not something that you're broken or bound or anything like that. You grew up in a society that highly glamorized and venerated alcohol at all social occasions and even told you the doctor told you to bring that red wine home and drink it every night. You know, like it's obvious why this has happened. Um, But the real intuitive woman just decides to ask, is this really serving me? Is this aligned with my values? Is this helping me become the version I want to be? And just being super curious about it, experimenting with it, right? Like debunking those mindset shifts. And and I think that that really shows a sign of wisdom and a sign of bravery as well. So I would never put this on as something that is something to be embarrassed about or something that feels like icky. Yeah, like culturally, it's a weird taboo topic, but I really think it's just the most intuitive woman in the world who's ready to face it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, awesome. This conversation was amazing. You definitely inspired me. So thank you for that. Um, And I'll definitely be sure to include links to um, finding you, all your resources, your book, all that. But thank you so, so much for being here today. Thank you so much, Tino. Such a pleasure. 